What's up, Internet? You're tuned in episode 98 of the Video Game Pals. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined as always by my dearest friends, Mr. Andy Brown. Hello, hello. I missed you all last time. I'm stealing Sean's thing, but I don't care. <laughs> You're just going to steal a man's intro like that? You're a dastardly <laughs> bastard. Uh, uh, dastardly bastard, I like it. The dastardly bastard, Mr. Andy it. Brown. <laughs> a man who's skeptical about my pop psychology, Mr. Sean Bartley. <laughs> hello, hello. I don't appreciate my intro being stolen, but when something is good, everybody else wants to do it for themselves, so I get it. <laughs> yeah, imitation's the sincerest form of flattery, right? That's what they say. That's what they say. So you are tuned into episode 98 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast where we all get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. Uh, it is good to be back here with you guys for episode 98, uh, but we do have to kick off this week's show with uh, with something of a sad announcement. Uh, so we wanted to take this opportunity to let you guys know that uh, as of episode 100 of the Video Game Pals, we are going to be putting the show on a bit of an indefinite hiatus. Uh, so for those of you who don't listen to, you know, bands that go away for like five years at a time, uh, what that means is we're putting the show on pause for a while, uh, after episode 100. And, um, you know, that is because of me. So, you know, I definitely want to take responsibility for that. Uh, I'm at a point right now where I am, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of a move. I started a new job recently and, um, things have just been, it's been tough to keep up. And uh, something had to give in my schedule to give me a little bit of breathing room. And unfortunately, uh, VGP was the, the thing that that had to be for now. So um, we're definitely discussing, you know, um, the possibility of maybe doing some specials, maybe bringing the show back in the future. It's definitely something that we're talking about. We will be talking about and we'll definitely be transparent with you all when we do make another decision. But uh, I did want to just get that out there and, you know, let you guys know that, um, you know, we've got three more episodes, including this one, before we take our break. So, uh, you know, let's let's make the most of them. In episode 100, we've I've already got a, a pretty fun main topic cooked up. We're going to try and make it a, a nice extra special episode to tide you over until we return. So, um, you know, just thank you guys so much for your support and let's make these last couple episodes a blast. Yeah, uh... I'm, you know, obviously bummed about the end, but excited for what we do going forward as we reach the end and then, you know, whatever the future holds. Yeah, and we've been we've been talking about some other fun projects that might be able to uh fill in the space that's left by the show for a while, so it's certainly um you know, it's going to be something to look forward to. There's going to be as much as, you know, we'll we'll miss doing this show. I think that there's going to be uh some fun things that come out of it as well. I'm a little upset that you said you wanted to make episode 100 extra special because every episode of this show is extra special, Pete. Well, actually, for episode 100, I was just going to not invite you to the call. So that was what I thought oh! would really kind of elevate it to the next level, you know? <laughs> Too bad you told him. That could have been a good bit. <laughs> now I have to let him come. Yeah. It's like damn, live by the shit post, die by the shit post. <laughs> it's like it's like when you're like planning a, a birthday party at your office or whatever and you're like shh, shh, you know, like don't talk about it. Not everybody knows, you know? All all kidding aside though, uh, I definitely want to hear from all you pals out there. 
for our last episode, so make sure you write into the video game pals at gmail.com and give us lots of listener mail to work through for that last episode. Because uh, it's going to be an extravaganza. Is that is that a better word for you, Andy? I don't say that it's... Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, that's that's better. Much better. <laughs> Great. Uh, so you all, like I said, can write into the video game pals at gmail.com just like Tyler did. A uh, friend of the show, Tyler Olson from the Longbox Podcast, hit us up with a little random question of the week. Oh, awesome. That I wanted to uh, hit you guys with. I thought this was a good one. I've been hit. So Tyler wrote in with an email called Question for the Show. What are your top three video game songs of all time? Here's mine. Simple and Clean's orchestral version from Kingdom Hearts. Rock solid pick, my brother. Uh, Green Hill Zone from Sonic the Hedgehog. Another classic. And then Legends of Azeroth from World of Warcraft. No no response from Sean on that one. I'm going to guess it's a mediocre song. Uh, I don't. I don't really know the song name really so yeah. i'm surprised just because you played wow for like forever so i don't know the i mean the music plays in the game but they don't tell like there's no thing that comes up and says this is the name so i i don't yeah i, I don't really <laughs> legends know. of azeroth by chingy <laughs> <laughs> chingy what the f- it was the most early 2000s rapper i could think of <laughs> holy shit uh, so keep up the great work, guys. Thanks, Tyler. Uh, appreciate you writing in. So, random question, everybody. D- does anybody have picks they're like ready to go with? Because I already I-, I made my list in advance, so you guys could chew on it. All right, throw down your list. All right. So, um, I I only had one cheat on this list because originally I was like going through and I was like trying to like pick multiple songs from the same games, and I was like, all right, all right, I can't do that. I'm cheating. I did just addendum it for Pokemon because I had such a hard time picking one favorite Pokemon track. Um, but interestingly enough, I didn't realize this. All of my favorite pieces are from Pokemon Gold and Silver, which was that's that's a huh. fun fact. Uh, so I chose the themes from Azalea Town, Goldenrod City, and Ecratique City from Pokemon Gold and Silver, which are all bops and a half. Uh, Asgore from Undertale, which if you've played Undertale, you know that's the epic, epic hotness. Uh, and then finally, I think classic as it can be, overworld theme from Super Mario World. Solid, solid. All right. I reserve the right to um, change that list at any time, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna just say that if you're looking for a bop from Undertale, I think Asgore is not the boppiest bop on that soundtrack. Dude, I, but it's the most like, it's the most epic. Like, I feel like that's the most, um, because like a lot of the other fight songs, like. I think every one of the main boss themes is, is like, awesome, but a lot of them are, like, a lot more, like, uh, whimsical, you know? Or, like, they have, like, a like a levity to them. And, like, Asgore, it's, like, that final animation, and then it just gets, like, dramatic as fuck, you know? Uh, and I don't know. It's, it's a I good one. I got you. I got you. But, like, man, Megalovania from the secret boss fight is... Yeah. Mm, and, like... Fire. I don't know. All of the early game themes like um home and like the ruins theme and all those like snowed in. Like there's so I the entire Undertale soundtrack is a bop. Let's be yeah. real. <laughs> uh but Andy, Sean, which one of you guys is ready to go next? 
I'll step up to the plate. So, I got two definite ones I'm going to throw out there. It's Beneath the Mask Rain version from Persona 5. Okay. It's the one where it's all instrumental, and they take out the drums, and it's just like the chillest song in video games, in my opinion. And then... Man, I, I don't... I feel like the like the just hanging out, walking around music in Persona, that is one of the chillest lo-fi jams I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm also really big on Undertale from Undertale. Yes! Um, yeah, that song is the weirdest moment of, like, really impactful gameplay where you're just walking across the same screen for, like, eight minutes. Yeah. But <laughs> it hits my heart. It just does such a good job of creating an atmosphere. Yeah. And similarly to Undertale from Undertale, I'm going to go with Two Undertale Snake games. Eater. Oh, no. What's okay. that? I thought I yeah. thought you said I thought you were gonna give me two Undertale songs, and I was like, "I'm Whoa. not. <laughs> I'm gonna give you Snake Eater from Metal Gear Solid Three. Snake Eater. You don't say. Which is gets used in pretty much the same way as Undertale, where you're just climbing up that ladder for five minutes, and then the song comes in. <laughs> but Snake Eater is both my favorite, or one of my favorite video game songs, and the best like, intro song from a James Bond movie. That's the one that has the really, uh, the, like, very dramatic, like, vocal part at the beginning, right? Yeah. Where it's like, It's ah! all... Snake <laughs> 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 Yep. That's the one. <laughs> oh, classic. What about you, Shawnee? Uh... So, I I listen to a lot of video game music, and I think my answers would change all the time. Probably similar to both of yeah. you. Yeah. Um. Uh, I I I guess I. So. Guile's theme. That's Guile's theme is classic. I think you know it's got to be up there. Um. And also Zero Steam from Mega Man X3. Oh, solid. Um, the third one, it could go like a million different ways, to be honest. Um, and I'm struggling. I, I've been struggling to figure out what to go with. I'm going to go because I can't think of anything else. Uh, I'm going to go with um, the main theme from Metroid Prime. All right. That's solid. Yeah, I, I've been listening to that soundtrack a lot lately, so that's been on my mind. But, again, if you ask me tomorrow, you know, every one of these answers could, could potentially change. Sure. Probably not zeros, though. That's, like... There. I mean, Mega Man in general just has such fire music. Like, Mega Man 2 and 3 both have two of my favorite soundtracks. Man, Metroid, or Metroid, uh, Mega Man X has some of the greatest video game music, I feel. I'd put that stuff up there. The, the soundtracks for those games are phenomenal. There's, like, Mega Man X 8 is, and, and 7 are maligned games, 
but the music for those games is insane. Yeah, in general, just the Mega Man franchise has never been guilty of not producing, like, a rock-solid soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. I recommend everybody head over to YouTube and listen to the 8-bit version of a song called Jacob's uh, Orbital Ladder, or Elevator, Orbital Elevator. Um, The 8-bit version is so cool, and I love that people are so passionate about this music that they'll, you know, take it and, you know, flip it and 8-bit it and give it an epic rock cover. So cool what people do. Love it. Yeah, man, I... uh... I'm a, I'm a huge fan of video game music. Like, I, I could sit here. We could have done a whole episode just rattling off, like, tight video game songs, you know? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, so I had a lot of fun with this question. And, I like I said, I'm, I'm satisfied with this list as my top three. But, like, much like Sean, I this could change. I could name, like, a, a hundred other songs that are, like, top three contenders, you know? Oh, yeah. But uh, this is a great question, so thanks for writing in, Tyler. And uh, remember, if you guys want to hit us with your own questions, get us at thevideogamepals at gmail.com like Tyler did. You can hit us up in those comments down below or uh, get us at the Comics Pals wherever your social media is sold. And, you know, you know how to get in touch on the Internet. Send us your thoughts and let us know what your three favorite video game soundtracks are. So, with that, I guess that means it's time for... The News! The News! We talking about the News! The News! The News! We talking about the News! All right, so we've got five items on the news list this week, and there are some doozies, boys. Doozies. Uh, so I'm, I, you know, we got to kick it off with what I think was the most exciting piece of information to drop this week, which was the news that Halo the Master Chief Collection is coming to PC and is going to be adding Halo Reach to the collection, which is really Ooh. cool. Because that's the best Halo game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so this is neat because, you know, if you're not familiar, um, the only other Halo games to ever have been on PC are Halo and Halo 2. Uh, but I don't think that either of them have been available, like, like on, uh, on a, like, a modern, um, like, deployment platform, like Steam or something like that, you know? like Or, like, even GOG, you know? Like, I'm pretty sure yeah. they were just... Like, you buy a physical disc release, you know? Mm-hmm. And they came out, like, years later. Um, or at least for Halo 2, I think it... Yeah, it came three years after it came to Xbox. So, like, this is the first time we're getting Halo 3 or Halo Reach on uh, on PC. And the first time that any of these games have been available for quite some time. Oh, and ODST is also a part of the collection. I forgot about that. Oh. Yeah. So it's like all the good Halos, one collection on your PC. What do we think about this, boys? Because I, I gotta say, I'm I'm excited about this. Like Halo, not in a good place these days. We've talked a lot about it, how it's a franchise that's in desperate need of some revitalization. But like, I love the original Halo games. They're some of my favorite, like couch co-op memories. And like, I think it would be really fun to like be like, oh, cool. Like, let's get you know. Four people jump on, run through the campaign, or go do some duos on, like, you know, Blood Gulch or whatever. Like, yeah, I'm I'm definitely into that. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to me to see how, like, the big, oh, let's co-op through it on Legendary and see if we can do it. It'll be interesting to see if that's still, like, as much of a challenge with mouse and keyboard. 
I feel like it'll definitely make it easier, but legendary is still pretty tough. So yeah, I'm definitely down for that gauntlet, though, dude. Like, let's do it. Like, <laughs> let's go find all the skulls. Yeah, turn them on where you get like the uh, the headshots where people's heads explode with confetti. Come on, <laughs> Halo, man, it's Halo. I'm uh, this. This news actually doesn't do anything for me at all, to be honest. Man, uh, really? I'm not gonna, oh, yeah, I was hoping I could rope you in for a playthrough. No, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I pretty much stick to the whole. I won't play anything but Blizzard games on my computer mm. deal. Um, I'm, pr- I'm pretty solidly in that, in that mode. Um, I think this is cool for people who will play it. Obviously, it's, it's monumental that these games will finally be available on pc i think that's awesome um and i also think that this is a precursor to a halo revival which i think you know we could use why not speaking of which that takes us into our next news story pretty cleanly unless you guys have any more thoughts on the master chief collection all right So, uh, next up, we have the rumor that's been going around that Halo Infinite, the next entry in the Halo franchise, could in fact be uh, a game game as a service. You know, similar to, uh, you know, the wave of games that we've seen like that in recent years. Your Destinies, your Anthems most recently, Division 2 right around the corner. Uh, And it seems like... there's at least a lot of talk about the fact that Halo Infinite might be uh, following that same model. So I'm going to pull from Steve Watts over at GameSpot's article on the subject, uh, which kind of fills in some of the gaps, and then we we can talk about what we think about this. Halo Infinite appears primed to get its big debut at E3 2019, but it may be a very different kind of game. Ooh, excuse me. Comments from Kiki Wolfkill, which, what a fucking name. Are you kidding me? Kiki Wolfkill? That sounds like the protagonist of a... this person step out of a comic book? Yo, or like an anime? Like, (laughs) that sounds like the the protagonist of a magical girl anime that I definitely want to watch. Um, so Kiki Wolfkill is the head of Halo Transmedia at 343 and has added more reason to believe that the studio is imagining this as an ongoing game or live service. Quote, we have to be able to change content quickly, Wolfkill said at Fortune's Brainstorm Design Conference. We can't afford to wait three years every time we drop a new product and have it be a black box because the games kids are playing are changing every week. The reference to a three-year development cycle as outdated paired with the title of Halo Infinite itself would seem to suggest that Microsoft and 343 are planning this entry as an ongoing game of some sort. That would make sense alongside her reference of games that kids are curr- or that are playing currently. It sounds like a reference to games like Fortnite, which issues regular challenge updates and new equipment between its large seasonal updates. Wolfkill also referenced, quote, having a set of rules that people can engage with and buy into for years to come. Uh, So I think this is really interesting. Um, But they they do. There is like a little bit more here that I, I hope will alleviate some concerns so we don't have to steer the conversation in this direction. Uh, it says that the studio recently had to respond to concerns about microtransactions following a job posting that they had had for Halo Infinite and said that they will not have paid loot boxes in the game. So let's just remove the microtransactions, any of that conversation out of it for now and focus on the thought of Halo as a 
games of service of some kind and whether that is you know having it be a like story driven consistent world kind of thing like destiny or anthem or maybe taking the path of like um again like a Fortnite or a gta online where it is just more like having an active uh content rollout so it's not just what they used to do in halo where it's kind of like hey here's halo here's all the modes See you next time, you know? So what do we think about that as an idea? And do you think that that is a good move for Halo? Do you think that's the kind of thing that it needs for its revitalization? I don't know. Like, one of the things... I've never been super into Halo. But one of the things I have appreciated about the modern Halo games is how much they, like, at least tried to resist modernizing. I'm not a huge fan of a lot of the like games as services and loot box trends, and I like that Halo still presented itself as a a shooter with a campaign that you were supposed to care about, mm-hmm. and like match based multiplayer as opposed to you know endless PVE for loot. Yeah, I I agree with that, and I I don't want to see Halo go down that route, but I think if Halo could create a system that was similar to GTA 5, that would be perfect. If we could make a Halo game that has that campaign that you're talking about, Mm -hmm. that's like a solid, you know, whether it's 20 or 30 hours or whatever, you know, that's pretty standard for like a first-person shooter campaign um, that tells a good story, and then when you're done with it, you know, you do what all Halo fans have done traditionally and go into the multiplayer, but that it has like a seasonal kind of Fortnite approach where it's actively trying to keep people engaged with like a battle pass or something like that to be able to like make more money and, you know, do the whole games as service microtransactions thing, you know? Like, I know that there's got to be some way that they plan on making money on it in the future, even if there's not loot boxes, right? And I think that, that to me seems like a good pivot. Get yeah, the best think, of both worlds. Serve the existing Halo fans. Hopefully attract a new audience of kids that don't have that relationship to Halo. I, I would love that. Like a, a battle pass, as long as it's it doesn't touch the gameplay. It's like you can get your cosmetics through the battle pass or through the shop or whatever. But the game is still, you start with a like an assault rifle and a pistol and you have to find your guns on the map. Yeah. Like, love it. Or, you know, we're playing shotguns, or we're playing rocket launchers. Big team battle! I think Halo lends itself well to this games of service uh, concept. And of all the ideas that I've heard, this is the only one that I'm sort of intrigued by. Uh, I mean, Anthem seemed cool at the start, but... um, then I realized that you were just kind of rocking an Iron Man suit. Um, Halo is a is an established franchise, and it's one that has a history and a and a lineage. And I mean, I'm not sure if we've had a games of service like that yet, um, based on a franchise that we all are very very familiar with. Not to my um, knowledge. Right. So. I agree that I kind of like the fact that Halo's kind of always um, avoided the trends, but this is one time where I think Halo is on the back burner right now, 
there is, it feels like there's sort of a, a movement happening to return it to the forefront and doing so in a way that lets it be the first of its kind in the sense that it's the first game with a real history and a and an already established fan base and then become this, you know, persistent world games of service type thing. I think that could be cool. Uh, whether or not I would play it is irrelevant in the context of I think people would be into it. I think that's a hook. Yeah, and I think that if they get it and they get it right, that it could really, really hit. Because, I mean, there we talk about it a lot about with Halo. Like, there's an entire generation of gamers who are activated for Halo in a way that, like, yeah, it's been bland lately and, you know, most people own a PS4 and not an Xbox. So it's like it hasn't been relevant in a big way, you know? But I feel like you could have said the same thing about Zelda before Breath of the Wild. You know, where, like, yeah, it still has its fans. People still pop for it because they remember it at its glory, you know, and like if they can come out and have a strong campaign and nail an active like multiplayer seasonal kind of thing like that, I feel like Halo could easily come back because people want I think want Halo to, to succeed. And I think that to Sean's point, like there's all there's a huge amount of lore and like iconography that's already established that you don't have to do all that work for. And I think you could get young people to care about it. Yeah. You know? Um, do you think there's going to be a battle royale? Definitely. They'd be stupid not to, you know? Like, I don't think that it needs to be the only game mode, but if they don't have a battle royale mode, they'd be... That's a missed opportunity. Yeah. I Honestly, I think it'd be a lot of fun, too. I think it would be, too. Can you imagine it with all the vehicles and shit? That'd be crazy. Although it would fucking suck to be like, oh, I didn't find any good loot, and this guy just shows up and plows me with a banshee. (laughs) Because of how many Halo games we've gotten, and, you know, Halo can do anything right now. Like, it can be anything it wants to be. You can have... um, the uh, games of service element you can it can be a um, you know a battle royale it can also have you know the typical you know lobby with a diff- with different you know team deathmatch and you know capture the flag or whatever it can have a campaign it can have all of that I that's literally insane. hope it just does I hope that's what they do like honestly I think the best thing that they could do right now would be because they you know when's the last time that Halo came out Halo 4 was years ago it was like 2014 oh I think well, no I'm Halo guessing, 5 came out like two years ago it's been a while oh my god I forgot Halo 5 ever came out oh that's so sad okay so Maybe it hasn't been as long as I thought, but if they come out and nail all of those things, that's that's the winner. You know, I think that's the best way to be like, hey, Halo, we're staying true to our roots. We're also evolving. We're here to make a lot of money and like have it launched day day and date on yep. PC as well. Like that's I think if they can do both of those things. There's no reason that this couldn't be a massive success. And to your point, Sean, the fact that Halo's at a point where it can do all of those things and all of them sound like good ideas if they're well executed is like, that's a good place to be. You know, I think the franchise is 
primed for a comeback. Uh, for what it's worth, unless Microsoft changes their policies, it'll launch um, not just day and date on PC, but day and date on Game Pass. That's true yep, too. They like did every first that party game. The next Halo would be a game, comes pass to game Pass, which is I think great for getting people into their ecosystem. Because, especially for like something new yeah, something that's like multiplayer centric like that, big and like if they nail this launch and Halo Infinite looks good and people want to play it, it's like every I don't know a person who wouldn't say, "Oh yeah, I can get like a a two week free trial." Like let's try out Halo, and then they love it, and then they yeah, yeah. So, is this game launching on Xbox? They haven't said. Yeah, they haven't actually been clear about that. I'm pretty sure that they're going to announce it at E3 as a next box launch title. I hope so. And depending on the price point, and depending on how this game looks, I might even buy it. I agree. I, I... Yeah, like I, I really like Halo. And even though I, I, I like I, I'm not super connected to the games, I love what Halo represents and the story and all that kind of stuff. And obviously, we've talked about Xbox's goodwill, so this might be a purchase. The fr- I, to me, the first five Halo games are all masterpieces. All the Bungie created Halo titles, like one, two, three, ODST, and Reach, are all great. And I have such fond memories of those games, and like I, I would be a really easy person to get back to turn back on, you know? Because like I remember when Halo Four came out, I was like, you know, I really want to play this. Like I'm interested in the story, like you know. And I asked my friend who had an Xbox uh, before Andy had one. I was like, dude, it comes out this weekend, right? Let's split it and sit down and play it split screen. And like, oh, there's no split screen in it. You can't do local co-op. And I was like. Man, like, I was so disappointed yeah, like by that, stupid. you know? So it's like, and like, Andy, I remember a couple, like, I might have been right before you left for law school. I remember we did an old school Halo night where you brought your Xbox over to a friend's house. We sat down and just did, like, you know, oh, yeah. 2v2s for, like, hours. Halo's fucking got that special sauce, man. So it's like, I, I would... I'm definitely going to pick up the Master Chief Collection and try to rope some friends into playing it again. And, like, I I could really see myself getting into Halo Infinite if it's what we're talking about. You know? So I, I'm rooting for 343. I want to see Halo come back. I feel like it's time. I'm you with know? you on that one. Especially uh, when you consider, like, what's going on with... Um, Microsoft right now and the timing of it like coming al- alongside like the next Xbox and everything. It's like, wouldn't that be cool? We see Microsoft have like a Phoenix style rebirth right alongside Halo. <laughs> All right. So speaking of classic shooters that I am excited to see come back, Left for Dead creators Turtle Rock Studios have announced a brand new co-op zombie shooter called Back Four, the number four because it's apparently the early 2000s, blood. Back for blood. So, I mean, let's, you know, let's 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 call this what it is. It's a Left 4 Dead spiritual successor. Yeah, this, this is, is Left 4 Dead not 3. Not Left 4 Dead 3. <laughs> yeah, and granted, they have said here uh, 
very, very clearly, they said, Back for Blood is our own brand new original IP, the studio said. You'll be able to shoot up a lot of zombies like in Left 4 Dead, but there's a whole lot of new stuff in Back for Blood, which makes it unique. So, you know, I don't think we should expect it to be just Left 4 Dead, like, straight up, but this is this is pretty exciting, I think. Um, so there was another really interesting little quote here. This is... Uh, from their FAQ about the game, where Turner Rock says that it's, quote, going back to its roots and at the same time innovating on them. So uh, there's, quote, new features we aren't ready to talk about yet. So I feel like it definitely seems like they want to bring new things to the table and not just make it a Left 4 Dead 3. But, yeah, come on. This is exciting. This is exciting, I, guys. I just want to say I can't think of a more meaningless sentence than... We're going to go back to our roots, but also innovate. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? (laughs) Come on, you know what it means. Have you ever heard, like, whenever a a rock band does that album where they're like, yo, all right, man, we got got far out from from where we started. We're taking it back to basics, but we're also going to do new shit. Basically means they're going to do Left 4 Dead 3, but they're going (laughs) to add an organ, Andy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm... I think this is awesome. Uh, I one of my best gaming memories involves Left 4 Dead, and I had a lot of fun with that game. Um, that was one of the only games that I owned on um, on Xbox Xbox 360, right? Yeah, yeah, on Xbox 360, and um, I really liked it. It was really really fun, and it's been weird. I don't know when I was talking about this, but I was saying to somebody like Left 4 Dead. Where is it? Why why do we not have that? So fucking Valve, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like definitely definitely I think this is something that um could get over today. Um and uh it's exciting. I I really loved those games and I don't know necessarily what innovations they're talking about, but I think that there are actually a lot of ways you can go with something like this. I, I always thought it'd be so cool if you could be in a room with, like, ten people online or whatever, you know, and, and you have to fight through a horde of zombies and work together. And, you know, online gameplay is always so competitive, right? Yeah. Why not make it make an online mode, at least, where it's actually just you and, and the other people online trying to not die you know against this wave of zombies or whatever yeah and i mean i i really find that to be one of the most rewarding uh cooperative experiences when it comes to shooters is like the uh the horde mode thing like yo nazi zombies and i don't even give a fuck about call of duty nazi zombies is fun and i remember in odst my favorite mode Uh, was the horde mode that they had where it was Oh, yeah, Reach did. I liked ODSTs better because you had a little bit more control over it, I think, if I remember correctly. But it might also just okay. be the one I played the most because, like, I remember um, uh, a friend of ours growing up, uh, Arm, and I used to every Friday night, like, when we get out of school, be like, all right, let's get a bunch of junk food, smoke a bunch of pot, and just play <laughs> this until we die and just run it again and again and again to see, like, how far we could get on the on the run, you know, and, like, how many levels deep you could get. And that's just fun. If the loop is good, 
you'll I'll do that again and again and again. Oh, yeah. You know? And like that was what was always fun about Left 4 Dead. I, you know how many times like you just you'd be like, oh, let's jump on a lobby with four people and just play through the entire game in one sitting. It's like, yeah. yeah like, those campaigns are not very long. No, but it's perfect for that. You know, it's like I'm I'm all with Sean on that one. Like I like co-op. You know, like I love competitive multiplayer, but my favorite multiplayer experiences are always the one where it's like you and your friends or your team against something. Yeah. You know? Um so yeah, I I'm I'm really excited about this one. Uh the only things that we know about it aside from this is uh there's some other quotes here, but basically about how like they're really happy to be working with Warner Brothers again because they've been such a like great you know partner for them. And uh, Phil Robb, who's the co-founder and creative director of uh, of Turtle Rock, said uh, I thought this was interesting. He said we're not resting on any past laurels. Our goal is to take all we've learned and push forward. We know that's a tall order. We're growing the team considerably, considerably, excuse me, because we're stepping up to the biggest challenge in the studio's history. We know this title has to stand out, and we fully intend to make that happen. Cool promise. So I'm excited to see what they do here. And uh, the last little bit that we do know is they say it will feature a campaign. There will be PvP combat, and it will not be a battle royale game. Coming for PS4, Windows, uh, Xbox One, no release date. So, seems to me that it's going to be sooner than later if it's announced for current gen consoles. You know, I think maybe the next year or two. But they're like, I think they're just getting off the ground. Looking at their web, at the uh, FAQ they posted. Oh yeah. Because it's there's a link that's like come join our team and they're hiring a bunch of people to work on. Okay, and they right did now. say they're scaling up, right? So yeah, yeah. I, maybe it's maybe it's not as far along as I want it to be, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's um definitely exciting, definitely exciting. So let's see how it goes. All right, so this next one is from my number one Blizz boy, Sean Bartley. Uh, Blizzard has released their classic content plan for the legacy servers uh, that they're going to be doing for the OG World of Warcraft. So we've got uh, a little blog post here from Calvax, who's the community manager over at Blizzard, and uh, it, it kind of breaks down all the information. Sean, did you get a chance to check this out? I sure did. So I obviously I read this. I don't know what is worth mentioning and what's not you want to parse it for the the listeners i got you so basically world of warcraft when it first started was extremely different than it is now um in a lot of different ways and it was actually it, it grew pretty rapidly even within the first um you know before there was an expansion just vanilla wow um Every update felt like such a big deal. I mean, for um, for example, there were no battlegrounds in the original WoW. You know, that was an update. Um, Wait, really? Yeah, damn. That was that was added. Uh, so there's so much that they have to figure out in terms of how to release content. And the thing about it is that. Um, some of this stuff, and this is what was what I thought was most interesting about the blog post. Some of it, the way it was done originally, didn't make sense, or it like altered the game in in a way that at the time was very jarring. Uh, so they give 
most particularly it's like it's loot related so um uh i just want to read a little bit from this article because i thought it was interesting Along the way, we've taken a close look at items that provide the biggest power gains, many of which were introduced in 110 as part of the sweeping dungeon itemization pass. That patch was when tier 0.5 gear was introduced and relics were added to the drop tables of many bosses. We've gone back and reconstructed many of the most heavily affected drop tables as they existed prior to the 110 patch and we're planning to update the drop tables alongside the Anchorage war effort so i'm gonna leave it there what he's saying is that the game went back so at some point they went back and looked at the loot tables for all of the dungeons and changed the items that were available and also added um like a tier below so you know tier one tier two tier three gear they added a tier below tier one to give players a way of getting geared up through dungeons for raids, like a, a higher power boost going into the raids to make it easier if your first raid was coming out, like if your guild was starting Molten Core when other guilds were already on, like, you know, Ankarash. Okay. So th- that was the idea. So this is the problem that I have with what I just explained. The problem is that that is not that what they're doing now the way they're the way they're doing it is they're like altering the way that the gear will be released. So they're it's going to be different than the way it happened in classic. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, I don't like that because the idea was to give us exactly what classic was like. That's what the initial promise was. Right. This is not that. And there are other changes um, that they talk about in terms of. The phases they released they released a phasing list of how things will roll out, and not all of this is exactly in line with the way that stuff um, was released. At the end, they also mention that they're reevaluating how they're gonna do PvP um, in 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 classic. PvP in classic was notorious for being a a, a very serious grind. Um, if you wanted to PvP for real, your only option was to do the uh, the uh, the ranking grind. You had Grand Marshal for Alliance and High Warlord for the Horde. Those were what you aspired to get to, and it took a very, very long time. I got to Grand Marshal, and it took uh, six weeks of playing 12 hours a day. Ooh. <laughs> Jeez. That's so much. Yeah. That's insane right that's no sleep i got no sleep um they're not gonna do that again you know like they're not gonna let players do that yeah so i I guess it's like it is kind of this weird dance they have to do now of like how do we preserve that original experience without make without like reliving the mistakes of the past right but the mistakes are a part of it yeah I, I, it's tough because like I think it gets into this weird conversation of what is the purpose of WoW Classic? Is WoW Classic right. to literally give you the game as it was, or is it more like the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, the Spyro Remaster, Pokemon Fire Red and Leaf Green, where it's more about 
preserving the original experience the way you remember it without all of the like rough edges of the reality of when it was made you know which is like i think there's there's an argument to be made for both of those things there is um but you're saying you you don't like that i'm saying i'm saying this those examples that you gave, they make they're they're a fine comparison. The problem that I have is that WoW already like WoW is a persistent game already. Right. There is a live version of WoW right now that has all of those rough edges removed. They're not there. So what is the reason why you would release the classic version of the same game? Just strip down, and then also modernize. Well, you already have a modern version. But I mean, I feel like I feel like that's kind of like, hmm. I don't know, like, because I, I see what you're saying, but I guess I can also see their logic when you describe what the grind was like. You know, where it's like. I, the point of it is nostalgia, you know? It's like people want to go back and relive fucking 2004, 2006, wow, which I totally get. I identify with that for sure. Um, and I think it's sad that it is impossible to do that, especially because, like, you know, that was when the game was new, so I'm sure that's where a lot of people remember it, you know? Uh, but I know it was, like, peak players was, like, around Lich King time, so... You know, that's here nor there. But, uh, so I get that, but I also get that they don't want to actually present it exactly as it was, because you, Sean, yourself have made the case on this show that nobody wants that. Nobody wants it exactly how it was. They want what they remember. They want the nostalgic, rosy-colored memories they have of Vanilla WoW. And I feel like if WoW Classic can do that, then that might actually serve a bigger audience well i'm glad you brought that up i'm glad you said that because this is why i believe that classic wow is a chimera more than it is a faithful representation yeah because here's what's gonna happen as soon as classic wow releases people are gonna complain about how oh Wait, why does it take so long for me to level up my professions? Why do I have to go run around and swing at at mobs in order to level up my weapon? Why does my gear break and cost so much to repair? Why is it so hard to make money? There are a lot of things about Classic WoW that people just don't remember. And that newer players won't like. So then the complaining will start and they'll say, Blizzard, please fix this. Those fixes are what led to the changes in later expansions. So why release a classic version of the exact same game with all the changes that you did later when you already have that game in the market? Well, because it is different, though, right? Like, I mean, because, like, I think people miss that like though that part of the game being the game like being the end game and all that stuff so like i totally understand wanting to have like quality of life updates because i feel like it's the same reason where it's like oh like it was fun for me to like play the um the spiral trilogy or the crash trilogy because 
you know, it, it's it's smoother. Like it's the same thing, and it still has that like PS one like mentality to it. You know, where like the levels are still designed in that way, and it feels old because it is old, but it's just got you know smoother textures and like some good quality of life fixes. Uh, that's not the same thing at all. You're talking about graphics, and you're talking about failures in design. Like, oh, the camera's bad. Oh, like uh, the the this is the control janky. scheme was bad. Yeah, yeah. thought that's not the same thing. You're because those those things that you're saying are quality of life changes are are features of the game. They're not failures. You're saying that about WoW. Yeah. yeah okay. So, like, you may not like the grind of PvP, but that's what it was, and I liked it. People liked it. So, it's not a... It, it is a... It's a feature of the game. If you take that away, that's not Classic WoW. So, it becomes a question of what makes Classic WoW. Everything that it was, or just the content that existed at the time? The atmosphere. The atmosphere. And to me... The atmosphere is what WoW is. Hmm. That it already exists. So I don't see the point of classic WoW if you're gonna make such sweeping changes. I know we've talked about this for a while. But, it's it's super um, interesting. That's why you know, like I, I yeah, I, I guess we should move on. But I could hang back and listen to you guys talk about this forever. Like yeah, keep going well, by what's all your, means. What's your opinion, Andy? Um, I really don't have one. Like I never. I played WoW for an hour. Last year, when you were like, "Oh, you guys should all get on WoW," it's like, yeah, yeah, that's the extent of my WoW experience. I do lean towards the like, when we do these classic things, we should be trying to recapture the experience of what it felt like, not what it actually was. Um, but I also understand that, like, if I was someone who played a lot of WoW and was like pining for, you know, I want WoW to be vanilla again. I'd be annoyed if it was if they like made all these quality of life changes that made it not what it was. I guess what it comes down to for me, right, is and and I know like you said we we kind of said this before, is WoW Classic supposed to be the 3DS port of Pokemon Red, Blue and Yellow or is it Fire Red, Leaf Green? And it seems like it's more like it's a Fire Red, Leaf Green situation. Like they're tweaking it to modernize it in some way. And like I guess it remains to be seen if that's a good thing or not, right? Like, obviously, you're you're not happy with that decision, Sean. We'll have to see what the general player population for WoW Classic looks like and what the reaction to these changes is. Yeah, and ultimately, uh, we've learned that WoW Classic will be available to all players who have an active World of Warcraft subscription. And so... Um, because of that, it's like it's free. So, you know, get over it, right? Um, well, and I wonder how many. I wonder if it'll bring in a lot of new subscribers, at least temporarily. Yeah, I quit WoW earlier this year, and um, I've been thinking, man, maybe I'll play Classic WoW, but I won't if it's not what it was. And a lot of my friends that I met, you know, fifteen years ago who did that grind with me and, you know, I stayed up until 4 a.m. with, 
you know, trying to stay awake so that we can make our, <laughs> our PvP queues, they won't play either if it's not a faithful representation. And even though that grind sucked, that's what WoW was for a lot of people. So you can't you can't separate the two. Is there a a threshold for you of like how much change is acceptable, or is it just like any major change and you're out? As as hard line as this sounds, any major change and I'm out. Because like I said, there is a there is a persistent live modern WoW already. Yeah, I don't want to play that. I quit that. I want to play the game I played. Do you see any any chance of you even just checking it out just to see, like, what it's like? Or are you just, like, not even going to be... Because I could, like, see jumping in for a month just to, like, you know, kick the tires or whatever, even if you don't commit to playing it. So, if you'll indulge me, I just want to explain really quick why I wouldn't just give it a chance. Okay. While was very easy in 2004 uh with respect to like the raids were not hard they the bosses had basically no mechanics um the hardest part about raiding was getting 40 people together and um everything else about the game was very fun but very grindy i like grindy right I'm, i'm down for that yeah i enjoy that um it sounds to me like they're tr- like they want to take away some of that grind because modern gamers are not used to that. And I already played WoW. I already played Classic WoW. I know what it is. If you're going to give me something that's not that, then I might as well not play it. The difference between your like your example of like fire uh, red and leaf green and this is that if you want to play the original Pokemon Blue and Red, you can literally put your cartridge in your right. Game Boy and play it. You cannot play Classic WoW other than the exact way that Blizzard intends to present it. So there's no reason for me to accept your version of this game that I've already played if it's not going to be what I want it to be. Because it feels like a slap in the face. And I know it's not that. And I'm not taking it that personally. But that's how it feels. Because this is the only way to play it. So to me, you cannot make those changes. There is no alternative. Yeah, especially when you think about the fact that the motivation for it was mostly because of pirate servers. that were keeping- right, Exactly. Yeah. That couldn't make changes. Yeah. It was the game. Yeah. I definitely see where you're coming from on that level. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess, I guess, guess we'll just have to see where they actually land on these changes and what the end result really looks like. Because I wonder if there will be enough people like you who are like, I don't want this, where they'll be like, okay, cool. You know, like, <laughs> we'll have to see. Yeah. But uh, certainly an interesting project. For sure. Very interesting. And one of the first of its kind, right? I think the only other example I can think of is uh, RuneScape, right? Yeah. yeah RuneScape like a... still runs, like, its old versions as yeah. separate, like, premium servers. I think yeah. they actually finally shut it down, like, last year because they didn't have enough people playing. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're right. that This is definitely, like, 
the only modern example I can think of aside from that. And that was even a little different because they technically made like RuneScape 2, you know? Right. And then brought back classic RuneScape. Whereas like this is a game that exists and has existed in its current state for what, 15 years? Holy shit. Um, so yeah, like pretty unprecedented. So there's, there's obviously still a lot of like wiggle room to see like what actually, what they actually end up deciding to do. Oh my God. So I just, I just looked it up. The current RuneScape is RuneScape 3. Okay. What? They, they run RuneScape 2 as old school RuneScape and RuneScape 1 is dead. Yeah. I, I think we talked about that on the show, like back in like episode 75 or some shit like that, where it was like. They had finally closed down the last classic RuneScape yeah. server because it was just like there was only like a few hundred people still playing or whatever. It's it's really funny too because apparently old school RuneScape has twice the player base as regular RuneScape, and that's just they maintain the game exactly as it was in August two thousand seven. <laughs> well, God bless them. Uh, before we leave WoW, though, Pete, do you intend to check out WoW Classic? Uh. Probably not. Like, I, I, I'm definitely, like, there's part of me that wants to because I have such a, like, romantic view of World of Warcraft vanilla, you know, and, like, Burning Crusade because I was, like, when I played, but I was never fucking serious about WoW in the way that, you know, it really required at the time, you know? Okay. Uh, So it's, like... I feel like I more have fond memories of WoW because it takes me back to, like, the early days of the internet, which I am super nostalgic for. Like, the early 2000s internet culture was a way different space than we're in right now. And um, World of Warcraft was, like, a big part of that, you know? Yeah. Like, I think about shit like... um, so what I'm hearing is if they file down the edges and keep Sean out, that'll bring you in. <laughs> yeah, like maybe if they make it casual enough that I could just jump in and be like, this is fun. I'm going to go back to all the big – go to Orzammar and, you know, have like five gold in my pocket. <laughs> Orgrimmar? Oh, yeah. What did I say? Orzammar. That's from Dragon Age. <laughs> the question for me is will they have the Mr. T class from the commercial? I hope so. <laughs> I would love to be a night elf mohawk. Not happening. All right, so uh, our our last story this week is going to take us into our main topic, uh, and it is the rumor that took the web by storm for about a day before it was disproven, uh, which was the the thought that Sony was in talks to acquire. Take Two Interactive, the publisher behind such games as Grand Theft Auto and uh, NBA 2K, Bioshock, all kinds of stuff. Uh, so I wanted to read a bit from this article uh, that GamesIndustry.biz did from one Brendan Sinclair, which uh, kind of wraps this whole story up into a, a really interesting little bow and uh, was is, is going to be a good jumping off point for our main topic. So the the article is titled About Those Rumors Sony is Buying Take-Two, and the subhead is how, quote, purely unconfirmed market speculation, unquote, turns into headlines around the industry, 
which I thought is a pretty good summation of like how this whole thing, you know, boiled down. And you contributed to it. Well, I, I didn't think it was real. I was just like, oh man, can you imagine? That would be crazy, right? Like, it was, it's interesting. You know, it's fun. I like it. Sp- would be crazy. Would it happen? No, but we'll get into that. So, uh, earlier today, the gaming world reacted with shock to word that Sony was on the verge of closing a deal to acquire Take-Two Interactive, possibly giving the PlayStation platform first-party exclusivity on key franchises like Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead Redemption, and NBA 2K, among others. Take-Two responded to a GamesIndustry.biz inquiry saying, quote, As a practice, we do not comment on rumors or speculation. As of this writing, Sony has not yet responded to a request for comment. More on that later. <laughs> the news stemmed from a MarketWatch report on the U.S. stock market headlined by concerns over Brexit and the impact various countries grounding the 737 MAX 8 aircraft would have on the manufacturer Boeing. Toward the bottom of the roundup, uh, in a list of stocks drawing particular attention, was this note about Taytu Interactive. Quote, Taytu Interactive software stock climbed 4.7% on rumors that Sony Corp is, quote, in advanced board-level discussions to acquire Taytu Interactive in a mostly cash deal, unquote. That would value the company at $130 a share, according to Joel Kulina, head of technology and media trading at Wedbush Securities. When we reached out for details, Kalina said he was confused at the sudden attention. Quote, this is purely unconfirmed market speculation that is making the rounds, he said. I am not the source of this story in any regard and not sure who quoted me as I didn't speak with anyone over the phone unless someone saw a trading note that I wrote. Kalina did release a note today that included the market watch quoted under a heading specifying. Um, it's just saying that the thing is unconfirmed. There's no source. It's fine. Uh, the writers of the Market Watch piece, Sue Chang and Chris Matthews, in turn, confirmed for us that Kalina's note was the only place they had heard the rumor. Quote, the stock shot up at the, star- uh, the start of a trade today at the lead S&P 500, and I was simply looking for plausible explanations, Matthews said. Joel's in a good position to know what's moving individual tech stocks, even if they are just rumors. In terms of timing, Take-Two stock was well up before his email went out, so it was not his dissemination of the rumor that sparked the move. So, again, like, this is all just came from nowhere. Like, it's it's so hilarious. Uh, So this is... So then there's kind of, like, a roundup here that's not any longer uh, relevant about like there, there's no word on the rumor. And then the update was the next day. Just to draw a line under this, a Sony spoke, spokesperson has issued a statement to VentureBeat quote, we do not know where this rumor is coming from, but there is no such plan. So put that one to bed. <laughs> uh, and I've I've linked to the uh, the Venture Beat article on the subject down below. I won't you know we won't read read through that as well because it's essentially just uh, kind of rounding it up. But it did make an um, a mention of a couple other times that things like this have happened. Uh, this is a quote from the Venture Beat piece. This false rumor takes us back to the days of the rumor that Apple quote should unquote buy Nintendo, or that the accurate or the accurate rumor that Microsoft wanted to buy EA in 1999 before Microsoft launched the original Xbox. So it's just interesting um, how like these stories they come up every couple of years. You know, there's always like one of these crazy stories of some major acquisition, and everybody freaks out uh, like, or gets excited. Like- this time last year, it was like Microsoft's planning a major announcement, uh, and everybody was like, are they buying EA? Yeah. 
Uh, and it's just funny because I remember there were some tweets I saw making the rounds where it was like the rumor is that they're going to buy it with cash. And someone was like, Sony doesn't have this much cash as a company. So it doesn't take much to dispel <laughs> this one, Einstein. But <laughs> <laughs> So what did you guys think of this? Did you see this rumor before it had been like dispelled? Yes. Yes. Um, I thought... Oh man, that could be really crazy. Like if it were to actually take place, that would be um, so disruptive. Yeah, exactly. And I was before I knew that it was not true. Um, I was prepared to have a conversation about how drastically that could impact the industry. Because um, if you think about it, Grand Theft Auto is—I mean, maybe the biggest game ever. It is. Yeah, and in terms of just it, raw sales. Yeah, and if it was a PS4 exclusive, that would do damage to Xbox that I don't even want to see, personally. I, like, I really do believe that. Um, so, I'm glad this isn't true, um, but it could have been crazy. Yeah, I'm also glad this isn't yeah. true. Um, I'm not happy about like mergers and acquisitions when it comes to big companies like this, like consolidating power is rarely a good thing, like for the market, you know? Um, but like, yeah. Can you imagine a world where grand theft auto, red dead redemption and NBA 2k are all PlayStation exclusives? That would be That's insane. so bad. That would be uh, like fucking it'd, insane. It'd be great for Sony and just terrible for the industry and consumers. Yeah. And it's, like, not just that, right? Like, when you really get down to it, like, doesn't 2K still have the license for WWE games, too? Yes. Yep. So it's, like, yes. cool. So Sony would all of a sudden have a corner uh, on sports gaming because the only other franchise that, like, exists are FIFA and Madden, and they'd own every other one. They already own the biggest baseball franchise. Yeah. Um, I could see... If that happened, I could see EA, like, using that as a pitch to get the NBA to sell it an exclusive license. I don't think it would work, but I think that would show up in, like, EA discussions. Is like, hey, we're on everything. You should let us be the only people making NBA, like, make NBA Live the only one. Yeah, go multi-plat. <laughs> yeah, so what a world it could have been, <laughs> but glad this one turned out to be fake. All right, so that's going to serve as the perfect jumping off point for our meat and potatoes discussion this week, which is I want to discuss your favorite video game rumors of all time. Because like I said, like the Venture Beat article pointed out, there are a lot of rumors in the video game industry. We are an industry built on hype and rumors and, you know, like wishing, you know, and and. What is the better thing to fuel your desires than wild, crazy things that never existed or never happened or never could happen? So I thought it would be fun just to, uh, like, rattle off some uh, some that we remember maybe from our childhood before the internet uh, made it a lot harder for stuff like this to pop off or uh, or whatever. So does anybody have any that they want to lead with? Um, I'll go. You remember every Mario 64 rumor? Like, Yoshi's on the roof of the castle, or if you get all the stars, you can play as Luigi. 
Yoshi is on the roof of the castle, though. That's not true. Yoshi is on the roof of the castle? That one's real. Okay. <laughs> I Luigi. always, like, heard that and was like, that can't be true. Yeah, I think you have to get, like, 100%. Like, if you get every one of the stars, you can talk to Yoshi on top of the castle. Okay. I think is the thing. Because I know, like, in Mario Odyssey, Yoshi is on the roof of the castle. I thought that was the funniest thing. Just, like, yeah. lets you play as Yoshi. Yeah, the Luigi thing was uh, was BS, though, I believe. I always thought that was true. I never owned that game, so I never got to see, but I always heard it. I just believed it. Oh, yep. Yeah, Yoshi is just there and fills up your hearts. Yeah. If if you get all the stars, you can get in a cannon and fly to the roof. You yep. can't actually play as Yoshi. He's just there. You can't play as Luigi, though, right? That's fair. No. That's Or that's fake, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, that's the one I always believe. Number one Kotaku article. That time some players thought Luigi was in Super Mario 64. That was the number one Google result. Sorry, that's what I meant. <laughs> uh, mine, are, mine are pretty similar. They're from that era. Uh, my number one is, do you guys remember the rumor that there was uh, a space behind Bill's house called Bill's Garden? Oh, yeah. Where oh, you yeah, could yeah. catch oh, yeah. all these legendary Pokemon and all the stuff that wasn't in the game. Nah, my my favorite from that is the Pokemon one where the where like you could get what was it? You could get behind the SSN or oh, something the, like the that. Oh, the was there. Yeah, there, so, if you yeah. go there, there is actually like a pickup truck, and it was like, oh, if you use strength on it, you can get right. you. Right. Right, right, I've right. been there, and I I couldn't do what I what you were supposed to do. Yeah. I'm like, damn, it's fake. Well, that was the thing Dude, with uh, the Bills thing. It was because there was like a little space behind his house. Everyone's like, there's got to be some way to get back there. <laughs> right, right. Love it. Oh, man. There are so many. In Smash Brothers Melee, there was a rumor that you could, if you were on Fox's level and you did a certain sequencing of like taunts at a specific time, you could cause wolf to come out and if you beat him then you would unlock him and and, it, and it, i feel like a lot of these rumors are based on partial truths uh it is true that if you do a certain sequencing of taunts that uh, i believe it's that wolf will come out as a pilot because on the fox level there are ships flying by and they can shoot at you and stuff like that and wolf can come out and shoot at you but he can't fight. Like he can't, his the physical character Wolf is not going to come down, and you know he's not unlockable or anything like that. Right. Um, there was also a rumor that you could unlock Ridley, which was <laughs> not true, obviously. Um, lots of Smash Brothers rumors like that over the years. I remember one that made the rounds at least where I was growing up. I don't know if this was like a widespread rumor. Was that in uh, the original Super Smash Brothers? There was an uh, unlockable level. Uh, that was called uh, Blastoise's Cavern, and it was what? like a water kind of level. And that if you used the Goldeen uh, on that level, it would turn into a Gyarados and actually like be useful. Damn. Why would Goldeen turn into Gyarados? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, not Gyarados. Uh, sea King. I don't know why the fuck I said Gyarados. I'm thinking of the anime. Uh, but yeah, that like, it'll be like, oh yeah, no, like it evolves into Sea King and then like it can actually like use Horn Attack. And I was like, bullshit. 
<laughs> but I remember that was a thing that like multiple kids at my elementary school like tried to convince me of. And I, I never found out if it was like an internet thing or if it was just like a local lie. But <laughs> a local lie. <laughs> I like that. Um, one that I sort of, I guess, created myself out of you know childish ignorance was. I thought that my in my perfect dark game that the that that there were like guns that were being downloaded onto the onto the game um even though obviously there was no internet access <laughs> and, you know I I thought that I was unlocking thing I had already had everything unlocked but I guess I would forget that I had something and I'd be like oh that wasn't there before I, I the game must be updating somehow um, and I convinced myself that that was the case, that the game was, was getting That's updates. so funny. Uh, but that wasn't true. Kids are dumb. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, this. Uh, I just thought of another one was, do you guys remember when um, when we were, like, waiting for Pokemon Gold and Silver, and there was, like, all the, like, Japanese images were getting leaked and everything, and everyone was calling Meryl Peekablue? Yes. They're like, if you you could use a water stone on Pikachu and it turns yes. into Pika Blue. <laughs> I remember my, my my best friend growing up, and still one of my best friends to this day. His father used to own a, a, a salon, and uh, I would go there. And his father used to buy Japanese Pokemon cards, like cases yeah. of them. And he had he would sell them at the store. That was part of his business. You know, he had a salon, and then if you if you play Pokemon, you want to buy cards, you could buy them from him. So he had every card. That's smart. Yeah, he had every card, and he had them way before they were out in English and in, in America. So he was selling the Pika Blue card for like a hundred dollars, and. It, it was so funny when it finally came out that, like, that wasn't a thing. Yeah. Because then the card was completely worthless. But prior to that, I was dying to own it. Yeah. But obviously, no one was paying $100 for a card for me at the time. That's so funny, man. I I, uh, I remember I got really into collecting Pokemon cards for a while. And um, my, my parents got me a subscription to... Uh, some Japanese, like, Pokemon card magazine that would have, like, bad English translations. So I would, like, (laughs) order the cards early as well. So, like, I remember I had this collection of Johto Pokemon cards before we knew who they were, and I didn't know their names, and I was just like, oh, my God, look at all these, like, this is, you know, like, this is crazy. All these new Pokemon. (laughs) (laughs) I was, like, the coolest kid in the world. They were, like, all tropical. I forget. They were, like, a, a pretty famous set now, but... Yes. You yes. remember the one I'm talking about? They yep. had, like, this very, like, cutesy art design, like, very flat and very, like, mm-hmm. highly saturated colors. Yep. It was cool. I remember it was, like, Wooper and Miltank, I think. My friend, had, my friend had that. Yeah, it's, like, he must have had... Like Wizards or the Pokemon Magazine or whatever. Like, there's a few ways you could get them in the States early, but it was like, I was the only kid I knew that had them. And you said it was in Japanese, right? Yeah, they were all in Japanese. Yeah, my friend 100% had that. Yeah. I was so jealous. It was cool as fuck. 
I got it for like Christmas one year, and I was like, "What the fuck? Like, it's like, what the <laughs> hell is a snubble? Like, this is wild." <laughs> That's awesome. Um, that that actually reminds me of another big rumor that even people that I know to this day still believe uh, that you could fight um, that you could fight Ryu's master in Street Fighter Two. That he he was an unlockable character Named Sheng Long That is one of the most persistent rumors In gaming history That's funny And it is completely untrue In fact One of my friends Who's like 38 years old Was just Not even Like maybe Three months ago Arguing with me That Shen Long was real What? (laughs) And I had to go online And prove to him that it wasn't He He told me That he unlocked the character And I said No you did not that's How? not possible. What? So, just to explain for those who might not be familiar, in Street Fighter Two, one of the lines of dialogue is uh, Ryu says, "If you, if you can't beat Shen Long, uh, you, if you can't beat Shen Long, you can't beat me." Something like that, and that made people believe that Shen Long was Ryu's master, was the man who trained him. Um. And so for all these years, there was, like, this big rumor. There's actually a magazine that I, I tracked this down, like, not that long ago. There's a magazine that printed the rumor as as fact. And that led to this widespread belief oh that it was God. possible. Ugh. And there are, there are fake images of it and all that stuff, April Fool's jokes, that lured people into believing this. Um, but it turns out that that was actually due to a translation error. And what he was really saying was if you can't, Handle my sure you can, you can't beat me. Oh, okay, that's yep. funny. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Is that so ridiculous though? Like how, just like how we build up these crazy, like mythos around games. Yes, like, I love it. It's a huge part of the fun. I think I really agree. So, you know what? I think my all-time favorite like silly rumor like that is the Diablo secret cow level <laughs> I've never heard of that what okay, the fuck is so that so when when Diablo 1 was a thing like it was all over like oh yeah you do all this stuff you can get to the secret cow level and just fight a bunch of cows that was not a thing but it was a thing in Diablo 2 because Blizzard is fun <laughs> that's really silly I love it that's it's so weird. It's so bizarre that that's a thing. Yeah, it like honestly, I don't know who came up with it. Like, I don't know why you start this rumor that there's a secret cow level. But I do love that Blizzard like put it in Diablo two. <laughs> yeah, man. It it actually ended up being in um a game called uh, what was that game called Marvel. Oh shoot! It's a, it's a, it's a Diablo clone. Um, oh my goodness! Why am I oh, blanking? Uh, so Marvel, Marvel he- heroes, yeah. Marvel heroes. Thank you. Yeah, I was like, what the hell is that game called? Yeah, in Marvel Heroes, there was a way to access the secret cow level, and it was really, really funny <laughs> because 
Diablo, uh, Marvel Heroes was developed by David Brevik, who was one of the original developers on Diablo, the guy who created the Secret Cow level. In Marvel Heroes, the Secret Cow level existed, but the cows were scrolls. What? <laughs> that is the hilarious. That is so good. And in the comics, if I'm, re- I hope I'm remembering this correctly, there's a, I, I absolutely am. There's a scroll who gets, who, who manages to escape death or live on Earth in in secret safety by becoming a cow. So, <laughs> and that happened before Marvel Heroes. So they combined a fake story that then became real in a game with a comic book story. To put it into Marvel Heroes and create the secret cow level. That's way too much. I love that. I know. Yeah. Yo, actually, uh, that reminds me of another one that I, uh, I I actually think a lot of people don't know that this is fake. Do you guys remember the rumor that uh, that you could find Bigfoot in San Andreas? Yeah. That was, like, a big thing. I remember it was, like, in EGM magazine and shit, too. Like, wow. Like, people had, like, it was a hoax. It was a totally fake thing. Um, and it wasn't until years later where, like, uh, I just looked it up. It's uh, Terry Donovan, who's, like, one of the um, co-founders of Rockstar. Oh like, is like, no, it's, like, it's not real. <laughs> and, like, people, like, still are, like, no, no, it's real. It's just, like, so funny. You, you know, man, you said, Pete, earlier um, that you, you missed the early days of the internet. Yeah. And, you know, we, this is kind of like a nostalgic episode in a way. For sure. Um, and I think this is one of those things that's sort of lost, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's so easy to discover the quote-unquote truth behind things that it's, it's really hard to come up with these... You know these hoaxes and, and you know in gaming everything is known, um, and it felt like there was this, like it was just a different time where you and part of it is because we were kids obviously, but even adults you know like I just told you about my thirty eight year old friend who still believes <laughs> in Shang Long and Street Fighter Two, um, you could that could happen you know and yeah there were lies and their hoaxes or whatever but they're harmless and they were fun. And they added depth to games and made it seem like there was more there than there was. Um, and I, you know, I enjoyed that. I don't necessarily miss it. Like, that's not going to, you know, it's not going to enrich my life now at 28. Yeah. But it was fun. And that was something that we lived through and experienced that really isn't going to happen anymore. Yeah. Right? Like, they don't, that doesn't happen. Not in that same way, anyway. Like, I think anything like that, it's going to last for like a weekend. You know, where like there are some of these these stories that really proliferated and we, uh, you know, I we still remember them. Right. Like how many hoaxes have happened in the last five years or whatever that you don't even remember because it was like within a day it's it's solved, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like this whole lie about take two and, and Sony that that got resolved and whatever, like not very long. Yeah, um, it, 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 that's not a. It happened and got put to bed before we were able to talk about it. <laughs> exactly. So that just goes to show you it's a it's a different time in the world and the, the early days of the internet, pre-internet, you know, things like this were <laughs> very regular. And even like Pete just just talked about Blastoise Cavern. Like I never heard of that 
You know, like that's <laughs> so random, and that was a local lie. Um, you know, and, and, th- and today you could just type that in and find out that it's not real. Back then, you had to live with that question in your mind. And that's fun. Yeah, definitely added to uh, some of the mystique around video games. You know, like especially as a kid when like. I think our, for our generation, like, coming up at that point where, like, video games are already an established quantity, they'd been around for long enough that there was history that yep. predated us, but they were still young enough, and, like, you know, communication was young enough that anything seemed possible, you know? It's a special time. So I think I think that's a great note to end it on for this episode. If you guys want to write in and uh, let us know about some of your favorite video game rumors or some of the like silliest lies that you let yourself believe about a video game in the pre-internet days, uh, let us know. Or if you've got any other like you know rumors that you can remember in more recent years, like kind of like this Sony Take Two business that really stuck out to you as being interesting or exciting, we'd love to hear them. So uh, remember, make sure you hit us up at thevideogamepals at gmail.com. Get us in those comments down below or hit us up at the comics pals wherever your social media is sold. If you want to help the show, remember <laughs> to give this episode a like on your platform of choice. If you're over on YouTube, you know, subscribe, like, share. You know how to do the internet stuff at this point in the game. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, before we get out of here, let's do some plugs. Sean? All right. So uh, we had a huge episode of the Comics Pals that posted yesterday. We interviewed Ted Brandt and Rose Stein from Crowded. Um, Crowded is a very awesome comic, image comic, if you're into, you know, futuristic stuff and it's, it's also really a funny book, too. Um, it's worth checking out. The trade is dropping this week at the low price of $10. Uh, we also talked about the Avengers trailer that just dropped and deciphered and broke down all the secrets that that trailer has in it. We talked about the Guardians of the Galaxy huge news that James Gunn is back. And we talked about the impending uh, finalization of the merger between Disney and Fox. So uh, lots of good stuff on episode 125 of the Comics Pals. Go check that out. And if you want more from me, you can catch me on Twitter and Instagram only, at Sean Soapbox. Hit me up to talk about your thoughts on Classic WoW if you are going to play it. Andy? So you can find me over on Twitter at Tiger underscore Millions. Um, I tweet about a lot of things. I'm going to be talking a lot about GDC news this week because it looks like it's going to be a big week. And I'd love to hear your reactions to the Borderlands 3 announcement I'm hoping we get, because I know Pete won't care about it. I will not, but we will talk about it. (laughs) And uh, also, because Pete's a nice guy and feels weird doing self-promotion, I'm going to step in and say, Kind of Funny Games is still looking to hire an up-and-comer. We're trying to get Pete shipped out to San Francisco. So if you could... Uh, submit him. They have uh, still the pin tweet at kind of funny vids. Pete loves those guys. We love those guys. We love Pete. And Send we're me trying to, get rid to of him. sunny San Francisco for a beautiful week of making content. Isn't San Francisco famously not sunny? Yes, but I mean it's sunnier than New Jersey right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
As for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at loud underscore Pete. Uh, find me on the Comics Pals with Sean. Uh, we've got our next book club right around the corner uh, where we read the uh, collected work of Jeff John's Shazam uh, run, which was kind of all, it was like a back, just go read the volumes from the New 52. Jeff John's Shazam. It was good. Um, and we've got that right around the corner in time for the flick. So you can check that out. And, uh, and then, you know, you can also find my work over on uh, loopots.com where I host their weekly Nintendo podcast, the podcast, and, uh, you know, sometimes write news and stuff. So uh, go check that stuff out. And uh, we'll catch you next week for our GDC conversation here on the Video Game Pals. Thanks for joining us. Take care, guys. Bye, everybody.